is the Infinity Summit Group. Truth. Passion. Success. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Infinity Summit Group podcast. Today is June 20th, 2022. Um, and we have a special guest on today, a repeat guest, actually. So last week we, uh, we had so much fun that we, uh, asked if he'd come on, come on again the next week. And he said, yes, thankfully. So it just worked out, but we have Mo on again. Let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Noah. Xavier. Logan. Jesse. And a special guest, Mo. What's up? What up, guys? I'll <laughs> <laughs> be back. Hell yeah. <laughs> so I realized that last time we didn't really go over a lot of stuff concerning mo um we kind of got off on a tangent and so this time we're gonna we're gonna just go over that stuff first and then uh see where the tangents take us Sweet, that works for everyone yeah that works okay so first thing i want to know purchasing this home was that a financial struggle for you was that like kind of a stretch um how how was that for your wallet we'll say it was it was kind of a stretch just okay. because I have, I got the three kids, got my wife. So you know how that goes. Things just get more expensive. <laughs> and then obviously the way the economy has been going hasn't <laughs> really helped me out. So I'm definitely, I tried to be smart about it because I've heard you don't want to be at the top of your, like whatever you can qualify for, you don't want to get the home that's at the top of what you can qualify for, right? Course, so you give yeah. yourself a little bit of leeway there if things mm-hmm. come down or whatever. Well, I knew that, heard that, have seen experiences where that didn't work out, and I did the exact same <laughs> that they all did, and I got a home that was at the top of what I could qualify for. The th- It is a little bit different, a little bit different. The reason being is we went off of my income for last year and the year before which I had mm. talked to you guys about, and I told you guys I was getting into the cards. Last year, I spent an enormous amount of money on the cards. Mm-hmm. The first half of the year, I was much more profitable. The second half of the year, a lot of that profit rolled into the cards and trying to learn them. So I didn't show as much income as if I would have never dabbled into the cards and just continued on the coins. So I qualified for like 250000 which is nothing to a lot of people, but to me, the what I was doing working from home and everything like that it was good enough it's not good enough to be in the valley right now but it was good enough to get a home in the outskirts right like what I did Mm -hmm. so the way I view it is I know I can make more than what I showed on taxes last year because I was doing it the first half of the year um so I I guess what I'm trying to say is that that home was qualified off me making like forty nine hundred dollars a month Mm mm-hmm but I think if I stay away from the cards and different expenses for a little bit and want to, or just force myself into staying in the coins, maybe I can make six, seven, eight thousand a a month. Now, the reason that I know that's true is because I just barely did my um, my home is in underwriting right now. They had conditions for income verification, things like that, and I had to show my income so far for this year because I'd given them my last two years. Not really this year. We haven't got that far. Mm-hmm. So I just did that today, and so far this year I have had I'm. Just over half the amount of revenue that I was at last year at this point. So basically, so let's say this: if I was at seventy thousand in revenue yeah. last year at this point, I'm at like thirty-six thousand. It's actually a little bit different than that, but but my profits are actually about the same as last year, even with half the revenue. So my profits have went way up, hmm. but my revenue has went down. And the reason being is because I'm not spending all the extra money on cards and things and losing money. I'm keeping it in, in exactly what I know what to buy. And so the things that I buy, I'm making more money on versus hoping that I make money on it. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. So, so to answer the question, it was a stretch to get it on paper. I think as I move in and just stick to the coins because I've been banking up a little bit of money being back in the coins, it, it'll get easier and easier as it goes on. And then maybe I can reserve enough cash to where I have a pool of cash again. And then I go back into cards or real estate or because now that I have the two years under my belt and I can keep showing I can do that, which I'm really excited about. So that's pretty much where I'm at with, with the house buying. Heck yeah. And that's how, awesome. How much was the house? It was recall. 245 
Oh, perfect. Yeah. Is that after closing costs and all that jazz? That's after closing costs because it's USDA. Because we went in a rural area, we qualified for USDA, and because I didn't show that I made too much on income, it, you go USDA, and I guess that's better. No no money down, which is like it's a win and a loss. It just means that you didn't pay down any of your principal, but it is nice not having to come up with that right up front. And second of all, I think your uh, PMI, I think that's a little lower with USDA. I'm not sure, though. Okay. Well, I, I'd consider that a win. I, I love doing no-down deals. Oh, yeah. Because it's other people's money you're using, right? Yeah, exactly. And right now, if your interest rate is less than 8.6%, theoretically, they're losing money on it. Yeah. Like, I mean, your dollars are losing value at the same rate. For However, sure. However, you can use your dollars to invest now. Exactly. Or, or grow your business or whatever. Exactly. And that's that's what was really – well, the funny thing about that, my brother Haas, he's into loans, and he mm-hmm. was the one who told me about USDA. He's like, you should do that. It's the best, It's the best type of loan, he said, that you can get. Maybe, I don't know if you did 20% down on conventional, so you had absolutely no PMI or whatever. Maybe that's mm-hmm. a better loan. But as far as for a first-home buyer not having money down, that was the best one. And I view it as, even though he said no money down, you still have all of your closing costs and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and there's just, and you got to pay for the appraisal. There's things, you, it still cost me like four or $5,000, even with no money down, you know, so it'd have been right. a lot more. But the way I view that is that four or five that I do save by not having to put in or six or seven, whatever it ended up being, I can just take that. And instead of it going towards my principal, which saves me a little bit, I can roll it back into the business. If I'm lucky, I make five X on it over the year. If I'm unlucky, maybe it's double or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it sounds like you were way smarter with your money. I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> Did the yeah. cards not benefit you at all? The cards? Was it just a Financially? Fire? Financially? <laughs> no. I wouldn't. It's hard. I would say it was a wash, but if you're at a wash, you lost is how I view You know what I mean? Yeah. Last time it sounded like a not yet. Yeah. On the last po- pa- podcast on, last week? Yeah, on the okay. last podcast. If Jordan Love ends up being amazing, <laughs> but the problem with that, then, it, then I'll have won. I will have won. Mm-hmm. The only thing with that is... The card market is down so much now, just like stock market, just like mm-hmm. everything, that even if he, he would have to be like top three, top five quarterback in the league for me to make some money on it. And if he was number one in the league, I would absolutely just I would just make so much money. But at this point, with him having to wait years still and everything, it's it's just not likely. So I view it as a learning experience and not really a financial uh, – I didn't really make that much money. Or make any at all, probably. Yeah. So we you, call that tuition. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to hold the cards then for the time being? I'll hold the Jordan Love cards. Everything else I'm, is listed. Okay. If that makes sense. Uh-huh. Heck, yeah. And with your coins, you were talking about having um, goals of making, from what I remember, ten grand a month off of them, right? Yeah. Yep. Is that profit or revenue? Um, That'd probably be... I'd like to make ten grand profit. That'd be fucking nice. <laughs> yeah, I did a hundred and fifty thousand in revenue last year. That's so, crazy. Damn. Yeah, after I I just barely saw that because I did my taxes today, so I can do that in revenue. But profit is what I what I want, obviously. Right. But revenue is very tricky because I I learned this doing my taxes and have my own business. You could have ten thousand dollars in in your bank. Yeah. And you could do two hundred thousand dollars in revenue in a year through eBay or whatever, because you can buy, it gets to your house, sell that exact same thing, buy it and sell that exact same thing off Mm -hmm. the same 10 grand over and over. You get, and not really gain any or lose any, but just keep trading that 10 grand and it makes it look like you're doing a lot as a business. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more what I did last year. That's why I showed a lot in revenue. And that's why my revenues are half this year, but my profits is actually pretty much the exact same because I was buying cards and selling cards and using that same money over again to buy more and then sell it again. And it was basically sixes by the time it was all said and done with fees and everything. I broke even, but I just kept using it. Mm-hmm. And it showed a bunch in sales, which the banks like to see that, I guess. But it doesn't mean anything for me. Okay. Gotcha. And do you, do you pay yourself out of the revenue or only the profits? Like, do you pay yourself as an employee of your business? I do. Uh, I... I I'm in the process of getting that way more nailed down because I've been talking with my CPA. I just barely, uh, basically what I, I registered my business with the state when I started the business. They sent me a renewal thing in the business, but I was living in Lehigh. I was living 
it over at Max's. I missed it, and I didn't renew my business with the state. Okay. And so this year when I went to renew it, they said, oh, you've waited too long to even renew it. It had been like two years since I'd last done it. I, and they're like, you can't even renew your business anymore. You have to completely recreate the business all over again, um, which I didn't really want to do because I was just in the process of getting home and I didn't want that to mess anything up. Mm-hmm. But they, they said it was fine. So just today or no, this last week, I got it completely recreated, which now because I have that, I can go to Cypress Credit Union, which is where I've always banked just because that's what my dad did and set up a business account with them. And then what I'll start doing, which is what everyone's supposed to do, is you pay yourself through your business account. Like, mm-hmm. But I, like I've told you guys even on the last part, I, I'm not doing this the smartest way. I am doing this a lot of just on my own, learning as I go, which mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't recommend. But I didn't know you were supposed to set up a business, pay yourself through the business, have your personal separated. So everything I did, I just used my account for. Right. And then at the end of the year, I would just go through, and it sucked, but I would go through and, oh, these are expenses, these are my own personal expenses and then write off the business ones, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a pain. So now that I'm getting that business set up, I will, what what would probably be smart, I don't know, maybe you guys tell me would, I know my brother Locke does this with his cabinet thing. The business holds money and then I just pay myself from the business. That's yes. probably what I would do. Absolutely. Okay. Whether that be an hourly or a salary or whatever, that's up to you, but yeah, definitely pay yourself from the business and have it. Do you have it set up as an LLC? It's set up as an S-Corp. Oh, okay. Yeah. The way that I, I did enough, my CPA said if it's like, if you do more than forty five or 50000 a year, mm-hmm. it's worth it. That's when the, the the amount of money that you save starts to be worth it versus an LLC. So I did just over that amount to where it was worth it to get an S-Corp and pay all those fees and things to do it that way. So I pay myself like an employee does. I, I really don't get all this. My CPA does most of it, and then mm-hmm. I try to communicate with her. I've met her with her like five times to try to wrap my head around. I, I understand it more now, mm-hmm. but I still am confused on all that stuff. Okay. There's a, there's a bunch of books in the, like the rich dad, poor dad series. Yeah. Um, just from his advisors, they have a lot of good information on that stuff. Okay. Did we talk about this? I know we did something with LLCs and stuff. Um, yeah, we did, we did have did an we read a episode talking about each one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a fairly general overview. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know if it would help uh, someone who already owns one. Yeah. <laughs> well, just you. But maybe. Just off what you think. Do you think an S-Corp is smart or an LLC? Or do you not know that deep into it? So I don't know as much about S-Corps. I, okay. do, I do know a decent amount about LLCs. Gotcha. So what, what's I couldn't difference? tell you. We should have it written so, down somewhere if I can find it. From what I understand is LLC limited liability company yeah um essentially takes the best of both worlds of like an s corp and a c corp and kind of combines it so you have asset protection and you can kind of run it um as an individual or whatever it's almost like it's like a uh we'll call it, we'll call it a sole proprietorship but okay. you have you can have partners and you have that asset protection for your company with an llc uh-huh gotcha and you can do your taxes, write-offs, everything very similarly. Gotcha. But I, I really couldn't tell you because I don't own an LLC right now. <laughs> That's surprising. When are you going to get one? Soon. Soon? Yeah, it'll be it'll be soon, and, and this will eventually be an LLC. Nice. So we just we just get to figure out something to, to sell that creates value. Oh, I got you. That makes sense. Because I don't want to sell financial courses. Or I don't want to sell financial advice. Yeah. That would require a lot of stuff and a lot of the major rich, you know, like I made a million dollars by, oh, selling finance courses. Yeah. So that's how you're a financial guru is you sold your finance. Totally. Nah. I think that's what a lot more people do than you think. So many. Almost all of them, I think. Robert Kiyosaki. Really? Um, Oh, absolutely. That's how he makes a bunch of, like he has real estate, of course, Uh but he makes a bunch of money off of selling his courses. Gotcha. Yeah. Even even in the card game, there's a guy who's one of the top media slab stocks, and I love them. They're awesome. They give the best content, I think. Mm-hmm. And they just barely are doing a challenge where they took like 15 grand and they were trying to trade it and turn it into 30 grand or something like mm-hmm. that. And they're super transparent. That's what I like about them. And maybe they'll flip it around. But when they had started off, all their flips that they had started with, they'd lost like three grand in like two days. So they went from 15,000 to 12,000. I think yeah. that's the reality 
of how it, it's not as easy as they make it seem. And even when those guys try to do it, not to say it can't be done, but it's it makes sense that they're selling these courses because the money, the way that it grows, and the real estate and stuff is probably slow. I mean, most of it's bullshit, isn't it? It's, it's all those ads that pop up. Like, we've got so many customers, they made like $20 billion in oh, one yeah. week. And you're just like, shut up. Oh, yeah. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> hey, yeah, and a lot of them will sell you like three-step courses or whatever. You know, They'll give you a little taste on each course, and then at the end they're like, if you can't do it by this point, then it's your fault kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not an actual step-by-step guide on how to achieve wealth yep. and lasting wealth. That's the key. <laughs> it's because they can't – if it was that easy, then everyone would be rich. That's how I believe. It's like you can't just teach and, – and I'm also a believer. If you found something that's making you an enormous amount of money, do you really think you're going to go teach a 1,000 other people how to do the exact same thing? Yes. And anyone that – okay, if it's slow, <laughs> if it's real and, it ta- and it's hard and it's slow, then I think that you do. But these people that are promising to get rich fast, mm-hmm. you really think that they found a way to get rich extremely fast and they're just giving it away for free, you know? Mm-hmm. They're, they're not – I just don't think that they would, and they don't. It's got to pass the smell test. Exactly. For sure. If it sounds too good to be true, probably is. It usually is, yep. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's, that's why we do this, and we don't want to sell this shit. Yeah. We just want to give it out. It's like, hey, this is our journey. Follow, follow us and – Watch us succeed while you succeed. Totally. So, self-plug. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the smartest it's – been, it's been cool to see that game unravel because when I was a kid, before the internet – well, for all of it. Like, we, we grew up in the internet time. Really cool. Yeah. But before that, I do think that, like, there was the – even worse than now, the gatekeepers that knew all the information, and then you had to buy through the gate to get the information. Mm-hmm. The game has changed – and the people that give away the most content for free are the are winners. They're the ones who don't need the money. Are the ones who don't need the money, but but they're the ones who keep getting all of the money. Mm-hmm. Th- that's how I see it. It's and even I guess it was a little bit like that because Warren Buffett was pretty good at that, giving away secrets, air quote, that got him rich. Yeah. And I read his books and listened to how he invests and it's just simple and it works. It really does from as far as I can tell, but Gary V, Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, all these guys, they're the guys right now. They give all of it away for free, but somehow they're multi 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 millionaires all of them, you know, just right. cuz everybody wants to buy their stuff. I'm convinced cuz they're valuable. When you, you and they give valuable information and you use that, who do you think about when you're using this to get successful when you have something come up that you're like maybe this is too much money for me, but this person that taught me, this is a great deal. So you reach out to them. Yep. I bet that happens all the time. Where For they're sure. like, this is fantastic. I just don't have the money. Yo, I know this dude that taught me how to do it. Boom. Then they get a million dollar deal and it costs them nothing except for a little bit of knowledge that they gave to you. Totally. Yeah, I bet that happens all the time. It's got to. I mean, it, that's like, wouldn't that be the best way to be like, I appreciate all that you've taught me. Boom. Here's a million dollar deal. I mean, so you're saying, for example, like Gary V. If, if there was like a card deal that I found that was like 100 grand to buy up all these super rare cards, I would hit him up and be like, dude, I don't have the money. You want to go in on this with me? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. If he taught gotcha. you how to do everything and you were making good money, you just weren't there yet. Yeah. Like, yo, this is, this is perfect for you. That's it's like an appreciation thing to them. Yeah. Like yeah. if your dad or something was like, <clears throat> some crazy deal came to me and was like, yo, Uncle Noah, do you want to do this? Because I know you're already into it and you're doing this. It's just, and no, Uncle Noah's taught us a lot. It's, yeah, just an appreciation thing. I think it would be, it'd go a long way of doing that. Totally. It definitely happens all the time. I mean, a lot of these super rich people are pretty cool people, too. Mm-hmm. You know, and just trying to help each other out, help each other get wealthy. Some of them aren't, obviously. No, there's, a there's lot some of bad. There's some bad apples, but generally, I don't know, people with a lot of wealth are kind of, I don't know. I've met a lot of good rich people. You know totally. What I mean? They're pretty cool people. Very giving. A lot of them yeah, are. Yeah, yeah I, super giving. I, I'm a big believer. I'm always been a believer that you get to those millionaire. The billionaire kind of gets to a little bit different of a game. In my head, I could be wrong, but it's like they're just so extreme that to them the game is just win everyone, yeah. you know. Yeah. But in that millionaire range, it's. I think a lot of people get there. 
by figuring out that if they give more than they take, then they get more than they give eventually. And when I was doing door to door, changed my perspective on a lot of things because I used to wonder why these millionaires and billionaires and people would buy these super expensive homes in these super exclusive areas. And I think I understand it more now is it gives you access to all those other people that are super rich and super exclusive and know all these people. And so if you can get in with those guys, you can get in with their groups. If you get in with their groups, you can get in on. And it's like everyone's, what do they say? Everyone's one person away from knowing a million people, mm-hmm. something like that. Cause every person knows a thousand people and those thousand people each know a thousand people. So you're one person away from a million. And well, yeah, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Exactly. You know someone that might be able to help you out, and then they do. Then yeah. You're also the amalgamation of your five closest friends. So if you're the stupidest one in the room, chances are you'll get smarter. Totally. If you're the smartest one in the room, chances are you'll get stupider. Definitely. Yeah. Which which yeah. is not anything against anyone. It's It's just the way that it happens because humans form those bonds and just either fall or, ri- or rise. Was depending on who's around him. Wasn't it Jordan Peterson that said, um, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have heard that. I don't know if it was Jordan Peterson, but yes, I have heard that. I'm not sure who it was <laughs> either, but. So, doing all this shit, how do you stay mentally healthy? Like, what do you do to keep up your go, go, go? And with three kids and a wife, supporting all that, like, what's going on up top? <laughs> I know you think a lot already, but. I do think a lot. I think. A very a ton. I have a very good family. I came from a good family. That I'm not. There's no making up. That I just gratitude for that. I'm so grateful for that because I raised up in a good family. I had a great mom, wonderful dad who set an ex- amazing example of you just you just work hard. That's what you do. You work hard for your family. And um, my mom was super empathetic. And so I got like the way I see, I got the best of both worlds, the dad who was an example and the mom who was super empathetic. So it's like hard work for being a man and then just love. I have a lot of love, I think, for my mom. Well, I know it was for my mom. So in my own family, I just think I can't stress enough how much that's helped my relationship with my wife and my kids. And, and I just barely learned from Jordan Peterson, a video I watched because his son was saying his two goals were a job that's meaningful and family. And that mm-hmm. was Jordan Peterson's son who said that. And then Peterson says, oh, so you have uh, feminine goals. And then they both laugh or whatever. But I, I don't know what masculine goals are then, but I know that I have feminine goals because that's that's actually all I want. Family is at the top for me and above everything. And then work, not work, but a meaningful job, which is what I'm – in the pursuit of trying to find but a me- something that gives me meaning. What um, does meaningful look like? For me, meaning is it can come back down to what we talked about last week with the chaos to order. Mm-hmm. And but but that's a broad statement. To me, it means finding something. Uh, these unanswered questions, prop, like I was saying, to help people. That's what I've really realized. I'm not interested in things. I don't care about things. I do not care to be an engineer. I'm horrible at it. If we buy a, a freaking cabinet from Walmart or Ikea, Maddie assembles it. She literally <laughs> builds it, and I don't. I'll just freaking throw the screws in the screwdriver. I get mad. So she ends up doing it and does great. But but I'm super – just naturally, I'm interested in people, uh, which that's makes sense with the nutrition. Even mm-hmm. think about that. Like mm-hmm. it's helping humans, not building out or creating things. So – Maybe it's psychology, maybe it's nutrition, something to do with people that helps people, heals people's lives. Like we were talking about last week, good and evil. Good is whatever makes humanity prosper more. Mm -hmm. Evil is whatever takes away from life. Yeah. So something that has to do with humans that can bring the most impact to the largest amount of humans that I can get to while I'm not going to be the billionaire. I'm not going to be that guy I've realized about myself. Why not? just because I don't care that much. I really mm. don't. I, I just, I, I thought I did as a kid. I thought I was that guy. I really pushed it and realized I'm, I'm not that guy at all. I don't care that much because mm. my family is number one to me and it's not close. So if it ever starts to get to the point where 
family is being sacrificed for business, I will just throw in the towel. I believe that because even right now I work from home and I love that. I don't want to give that up. My kids, their lives, my wife, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'm super about that. So to answer the question, like my mental state, I, I have to revolve it around that and that helps. I think that I focus, if I'm getting too depressed or discouraged, I try to just focus on being in the present and just get rid of the noise and just be. I've worked a lot on allowing myself to to just be and not always have to have something going on because that really puts me into a bad spiral down. And I'm trying to be more conscious about when I'm in bad spirals down to like, pull out of them consciously so i i haven't figured that out yet i guess is the simple answer i still spiral down i'll spiral up i spiral down i spiral up yeah hopefully the whole trend is up overall but every day is a new day and i've gotten a lot better like than five years ago but it is i still have bad days bad weeks bad months i guess if you look at it on a broad spectrum and Mm -hmm. and just trying to figure it out why are all of those and overall good for you the ups and the downs. Why are they overall good? Why are they overall good? Or do you feel that they benefit you? I And why? Okay. Unnecessary chaos is bad, I feel like. Okay. So what I mean by that is if there's something I feel like I've already figured out the answer to and I relapse into it, oh. it's neg- it's bad. I already knew that I shouldn't have and I did it again. That that there, I don't really feel... Like I earn much from that. I just feel like I get back to where I was when I figure it out or when I stop doing it. Things that hit me. What were you going to say? I was going to say, was it maybe or is it maybe when you go into this unnecessary chaos, is it maybe because you had more to learn? Consciously or or just the spirals down in general? Uh, We'll say consciously. Okay. Okay. That to me, if I consciously go there, like. The home. I want a home. What does it take to get a home? Mm-hmm. I need to go. I need to call Garrett. We have to go look at homes. To me, that's the unknown. So I'm in that yeah. chaos zone. I feel like I'm learning there, and I actually enjoy it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, say you find yourself there unconsciously. You spiral down. You're yeah. like, shit, I'm right back to where I was. What happened? Is it is it because you had something else to learn, or is it just because you're repeating old habits and you already knew the answer? Hmm. That's a very good question. I think it can be, if you get there unconsciously, I think that it can be two things. It can be that something blindsided you and just spit you out over there. Okay. And that now you have to get back and you'll learn. But I do think so. So in a way, if, but okay. So viewing it like that, if I get there unconsciously, it's probably actually good because that means that I don't know why I got there and there was something for me to learn. If I okay. get there consciously, that's bad. I knew why I, I, I do this. Two weeks ago, I was telling you guys last week, I had a bad week two mm-hmm. weeks ago. I've, whenever I something big happens for me, I need a reward. I've realized that. I need, a, I need a reward. I had some coins grade really good, and I made really good money on them, and we got the home as far as we were concerned, and we just had to get to the things. We never went out to dinner, me and Maddie. We didn't celebrate at all. Mm-hmm. I do think that because we didn't do that, I spiraled down because I was searching for that like relief and I didn't get it. So I I went and found it. And there's a game on the computer that I just, I love it. I'm an addict. I call it a relapse when I play. It's called Overwatch. (laughs) Oh, snap. (laughs) I love that game. And so I downloaded that and I played it for three days. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... This is a lot better. I, I deleted I downloaded it on Wednesday, play, played it a few days, deleted it on Friday. So that's that's really good for me because um, for a while, like in the past, maybe I'd get it and I'd play it for like four or six weeks. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it would, just, it would just throw me off for weeks. Even though I was still being kind of productive, I wasn't growing at the rate that I w- would like to have been. Of course. Um, and I kind of lost my train of thought there. But I, I guess what I'm s- saying is – this happens to me all the time. And where was I going with that? I forgot. So we talking about. spending. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, the, I believe the concept you're going to is revenge spending, but, but yes. in a reward sort of way. You're like, okay, I didn't get a reward for this awesome coin sale. 
I am going to play Overwatch for totally. three days straight now. I didn't even know. So it has a name to it, I guess. Revenge spending? Well, re- revenge spending is generally associated with budgeting, where okay. you don't budget any spending money for yourself. Gotcha. And then later on, you end up being like, fuck this, I'm spending 300 bucks now. Gotcha. Yeah, on your credit cards. You know? that's, exactly, that's exactly right. That was exactly what it was. <laughs> so you're realizing, as you take these spirals, you're realizing more and more how important it is to reward yourself when you have good wins. Totally. I have to. If I, don't, if I don't reward myself... There's no point. It's no in incentive. It. Yeah, there's no incentive. It's just the next grind. Exactly. It's just ongoing and on and on and on. And no, and I do feel like when you set a goal out or when you do something that you're super happy about and you reward yourself for it, it kind of like puts the lid on that and then you can go on to the next thing. Yeah. But if you never put the lid on it and be like, good job, Mo, that was awesome. And then, okay, let's fill up the next jar. Then this jar is left without a lid on it and it, it just I, I go and corrupt it or spill that out or whatever, you know. The winds come and blow out the sand. <laughs> exactly. That makes sense. <clears throat> well, it sounds like you learn a lot when you spiral down and spiral up. Yeah. In that case. For sure. That's awesome. So my whole point to talking about that was just, again, talking about the duality of the brain. Okay. And how you would not know when you're spiraling up without spiraling down. Totally. Kind of, kind of thing, you know. But why is it bad if if you were to intentionally spiral down a little bit? Intentionally. It'd be something like you know better, but you do it anyways. Oh, okay. That's what you mean well, by that. Um, is that uh, I'm asking if that's what you mean. No, I think that – is that what you mean? Like if I consciously went down – okay, so yeah. uh, why is that bad? I just think that's bad because it's wasting time. If if I already know where that leads, I've already been down that path. I know where it leads me, and I'm and I'm I'm conscious of it, but I'm not consciously doing it as I'm rewarding myself for something. So it's not going down the bad, but being like, yes, I'm con- I want to do this, and I'm doing it. It's like being aware that I'm going down the path, but not wanting to. But it's okay. but I'm but I go that way anyway. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I guess. Like letting a habit take control. Yeah. I'm I'm curious why that happens with hu- humanity in general because humans don't do anything without a reward. Yeah. They don't do anything without an incentive, right? So maybe those times are quite necessary. <laughs> and and, and a, a self-reward, an unconscious self-reward, even if you know it's not good for you. It's like, all right, I can afford to slip a little. <laughs> I think you're – I know for a fact it's me searching for an outlet. Oh yeah. It's it's an outlet. It's like it's a relax. It's easy. I like playing the game. I enjoy it. So what I'm searching for is fun. Like mm-hmm. an escape. An escape is an probably escape. a better word. An escape is a better I'm an I'm, a, I'm searching for an escape from the grind. So so I will do that and then it will whether it's conscious or unconscious. It's interesting the different things that people find as escapes, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Could be anything from drugs to porn to drama. Oh yeah, caffeine. Drama, baby. Ba- oh yeah, drama's a good <laughs> All one, that man. Shit. Um, to, to just sitting on your couch, like I'm relaxing for a second. I'm escaping everything else. Yep. Just scrolling through whatever. Well, Very intriguing. Never mind. What? Say what, what were you going to say? say an escape feels like it has to be something engaging that has like no real impact on you, right? Cause like a vacation? Yeah, but mm. not like... So I, I'm curious to hear what is something that would have no impact on you. No, I mean, like, I have a hard way put, hard time putting what I'm thinking into words. It's okay, Beth. But it's like, for an escape, it would be like, like I love books. Mm-hmm. I love listening to books, do it all the time at work. That, it holds my attention, and it has no impact on my goals necessarily like it takes my attention so in that way it does but it, it doesn't hmm. I don't but you're checking out of reality but that's a right he- that's a healthy escape though because people do escapes all the time where it just completely destroys destroys them right but i could let books take over my account there's i could spend 150 dollars a week it wouldn't be hard for me on books but there's a 
I don't know how I want to put this. Did you want to think on it? We'll move on. Yeah. I, I think I get what you're saying. It's that when you go into an escape, we, we all know what we want to be in life, our goals, whether we can write them down and articulate them or not. There's that calling within all of us. You want to have an impact, all those things. Mm-hmm. When you're in an escape phase, you're doing something that does take your attention off for a while, gives you fun or whatever, but you know it's not getting you any closer to who you're trying to be or what you're trying to bring forth out, you know, out of the chaos or whatever. That's how I view it. Is that wrong? or? Absolutely. I'm escaping my goals of being a pilot right now by working a physical labor job and waiting on a wait list. Yeah. Instead of moving down to Florida for three months and coming straight back and doing it. Gotcha. So maybe I was thinking just so, in. Yeah. So when you were saying you want to, like, instead of sitting on your phone and relaxing and scrolling, maybe I figure, or what I was thinking at the time was that for an escape to be an actual escape, it has to be engaging. Like, more, like, thought-provoking almost in a way to where you're, like, you're trying at something. Like basketball, that is absolutely an escape for me because it's physical labor and without having to think about anything but just what you're doing at the time. And then something like social media, in my mind, it takes you to a place where you're not necessarily want, where you want to be, even if it's you're looking at good content or whatever. You're so it's not. Would an escape basically be what's the agenda behind it? That's yeah, what makes it an the escape. Intent, because the intent. like. My phone would probably be an addiction, but an escape, like, I don't know, like you said, Overwatch, you're going there, and you're consciously doing this because it's, that's your, that's your out for a minute, that's your relaxed for a minute. I don't know, it's just... I think the line between escape and addiction is very fine. Right. <laughs> what, just, what's even the difference at that point? I don't see it. There's got, there's one. Like, I it's mean, got to be intention, right? You're on your phone scrolling like I do all the time. I don't want to be on it. I'll do it anyways because what else am I going to do? You're, Basketball. You're escaping. Yeah. Which is an addiction. I'm addicted no, to no, that escape not from always. my phone. But I, I just don't think that's a very good ex- – I, I disagree. I, I, I do think escape and addiction are two different things. For like well, video, they are in their own worlds, yes. Because, yeah, like video games, for instance. Like I, I, I could not play video games for the rest of my life and be happy. But mm-hmm. I jump on it sometimes to, you know, escape. Like, okay, do nothing for a little bit for like oh, an hour. Oh, that's fair enough. But I, you know, I don't care about video games that much, but I do it because it's fun. You know? Yeah. But I guess the argument to that point on the other side could be, well, maybe what you're doing isn't the addiction. Oh, The escape is the addiction that has to happen. And if it doesn't matter what form it takes, but that is the addiction. You're, you're addicted to escaping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could see that be very true. Yeah. And then at that point, it, the question goes to like, is it even bad? Because everyone I've ever met, you have, you have to, cool have, down. yeah, you have to cool down. So is that how we're wired, I guess, is a better way to put that. I think it depends on what you're doing. We had this uh, argument well, last time that bad depends on your context. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, I'm not going to bring that up again, <laughs> even though percep- I just did. It's perception. It's mm-hmm. how you perceive it. Yeah. So is it an escape or a pattern that you're just used to and that's your comfort zone? That's a good question. Both? Being well, comfortable yeah, can be a, an escape. You right? escape so many times, you form a habit of escaping in that way. Well, isn't this what Eli was talking about on his podcast? The whole point of him going on that 12, like, what was it, eight days or seven days, like mm-hmm. retreat where he meditated for like 12 yeah. hours a day yeah. was to get rid of, oh, he said two things. It was like... He doesn't. He doesn't want to be controlled by anything. Yeah. Anything. That's why. Yeah. He'll like smoke, but then he'll put it down because he's once he started realizing that smoking was controlling him, he wants to be fully in control of him himself. Yeah. And so yeah, he won't. He wouldn't let anything in that he feel like he needed. Gotcha. You know what I mean? The when illusion I, of control is a funny thing. The illusion of control. The illusion of control. Yeah, explain. Because details, details. In, in theory, the only thing the only thing you can control is in and of yourself. So Eli has it the closest you can get it. Yep. But the illusion that you have control over anything in this life or anything in your world um, is is very interesting because con- control is like 
Control for me puts it like things will go exactly this way because I want it to go that way. That is me controlling the situation, controlling myself, whatever. What it usually ends up happening is it goes, it might go your way, but it's an entirely different way than what you expected. You know, I imagine you encounter some things like that buying your house where it's like, this is how it's going to go. This is how we're going to control this situation. And then it just goes clear out in fucking left field. And then you get the house. You're like, wow, I reached the end goal, reached what I wanted. But did I have control of that situation? Maybe not. For sure. <laughs> Definitely. And that seems to be a repeating pattern throughout all of life. So I, it, it feels like control in and of itself is an illusion. Whereas instead of just setting, setting your goals and intentions and actively working towards them, whatever way it might work out, um, seems to be the strategy that works the best. Food for thought. <laughs> so the only control you'd have really would be like over your reactions, right? Over the way you move and react to things. Mm-hmm. Um, theoretically, yeah. Okay. But even then, your emotions can get you. Right. And but, everything else can get you. But but, you but can, if you, you were in control, that would be what can it you? is. Yes. I believe. I, I don't know. I, I worked on that for a little bit. Like, because I would get overly emotional sometimes, and it will, like, take control of me and what, what I was doing. Okay. But then if you can kind of catch an emotion within, like, 10 seconds of it coming up and <clears> choose not to, like, you, you accept that it's there. You're like, okay, I'm feeling this. But you don't let it control you. Because okay. you notice it's there. You know what I mean? Like right. if you're about to feel sad, you're like, okay, I know, I know I'm about to feel sad or I'm starting to get sad right now. And you just choose not to. I don't know. Hmm. I, think, I started I practicing that. Yeah, I, I practiced that for a while because like, I was depressed for a long time. And then I decided that fucking sucks and I don't want to be depressed anymore. It's bullshit. <laughs> but the funny thing about what you said with depression is you can't just say – I don't want to be depressed anymore. I'm going to be happy. It doesn't work like that. I no. like that you said you have to sit there and go, oh, this feeling of sad is, is in me right now. Okay, yeah. and acknowledge it and then choose. But that, that, that I struggled with for a long time yeah. because I just thought I'm feeling this way. Oh, I'll just be this way. That does not work. You have mm-hmm. to just let the emotion seek in. One thing I really liked about Sadhguru, and that guy helped me a lot with my spirituality and mm-hmm. my inner peace. He says that, emotions follow thought and people don't know that so if you think really beautiful positive thoughts for a week and then the next week too then you could have your thoughts and your emotions in line where everything is beautiful but he was saying that thought if you think thoughts for 24 hours positive thoughts and the next day you're like still feeling negative but you're trying to think positive and so you get into contradiction with yourself and then you start thinking negative uh, for that whole day because it didn't work out. Then the third day, you might your emotion might be really sweet, but you still might be sad about it. But basically, he was saying there's like a, a lag between thought and emotion. So that if you could continue good, beautiful thoughts for days and days and days, the emotions would follow those. I don't know if there's science to back that up, but I know that guy knows his stuff with like the inner workings of the body. And it makes sense to me that we're, we're too sporadic. This moment, we're hot. This moment, we're cold. We're happy. We're mad. All in a 20-minute time span. And the next day, we feel the residual uh, through our emotions of the positives and the negatives. And then mm-hmm. they're going against what we consciously think, you know. It makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you know what else follows thought is action and reality. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't think emotion can be controlled. Not Not controlled, but more understood and you what you can approach you can, it in a different way yeah you can recognize it kind of and like choose to see it in a different way if that makes sense well you know a- what i mean according to Sadhguru, it can he says which you're just taking his word for it but he says he's blitzed out all the time he says there's like happiness joy ecstasy and like blitzed out and i guess blitzed out and ecstasy is what he says, and he says that all the time he feels blitzed out, and he just feels extremely joyful and good. Is that true? Is he lying? I don't think he's lying. Is he just like the one out of seven billion that just feels that all the time? Maybe. Maybe it's not possible for everyone. 
but if you sit down, close your eyes, and just meditate for a while, it does seem kind of obvious that you are way more in control than we think we are. But when you're just running around, working, and doing all these things fast and not like being med- meditative to your body, then things are going to run their course. That's what it seems like to me. It's just it's not being in the present moment. Yeah. There's a lot you notice when you actually, I don't know, dial yourself into the present. Totally. Because people are always thinking – we, me and Noah had this conversation. We, we, I don't know. You think in the future. You know all, what I mean? All oh, yeah. the fucking time. You're always worried about it. Like something's going to come up or you're preparing for it. or you know. And it's hard to get, put yourself back in the present moment because that's the only time that exists. Totally. Is right now. It doesn't have to be hard, though. No, it doesn't have to be hard. I know. <laughs> no. Everything could be easy. It could be a lot easier. <clears throat> yeah. Have you heard of Alan Watts? I have, but I haven't done much into him, but I will soon. He's fucking great. He's yeah. crazy. Yeah, if you like. So I listened to Alan Watts before I ever heard of Sadhguru. Okay. And I really enjoyed Alan Watts' teachings um, as well as Sadhguru. They they are on a very similar wavelength, it, um, but their, their teaching methods are slightly different. Gotcha. Alan Watts was a professor at a college. Gotcha. So it's more intellectual. Instead of experience, in a sense? It was, I don't know what he was a uh, professor of. Might have been um, philosophy or something. Okay. But the way the way he talks and he thinks through things as he's talking is just like, wow. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I can get behind this guy. Gotcha. He's, a, he's an old guy. Like, all of his recordings sound super old and shit, but um, I think he was in the 70s. Gotcha. I've heard Sometime. only great things about him. My family's told me a lot yeah. about him. So I will be looking to him. I do got a question for you guys. Oh. Do you think it's okay? So we were talking about spiraling down yes. these negative habits, I guess you'd say. And then we were talking about how you, every human has them. Even if they don't want them, they still do them. Do you think that a perfect person like Jesus, as far as biblically and, and whatnot, do you think it's possible that humans transcend that and get, is it possible to transcend that and become a perfect being yes. without all of those things in one lifetime or like in our lifetime? Or do you think no matter what, you'll always have those Be- just real quick, because even Peterson, even those, those guys, they still seem to have them and they're in my eyes. They're up there pretty mm-hmm. high. It just makes you wonder if anyone in in the world right now has unlocked to that transcendent stage where they're above all of the, um, what's the right word for it? Minutia? I don't know <laughs> what that word means, <laughs> but I was, uh, compulsions. Okay. That's the word I'm looking for, above human compulsion. No. No. Yeah. Not, so either. not any human. Gotcha. Okay. And right. Jesus wouldn't have been right because he was human. That's yeah. one of the things, right? So, so he wouldn't have been, he like, have ideally he was one of the more perfect beings. Yeah. But he's still going to have those compulsions. He's still going to have down spirals and up spirals, but it's going to look a lot different. As one progresses, their down spirals and up spirals look a lot different. Just like you were saying, they delve further into chaos and go further into order. Um, or they go further into evil, better into good, whatever, however you want to say it. But balance, yin and yang. Everything goes back to the average. Your average might raise as you transcend further and further. But you're definitely going to have that stuff. Gotcha. A question for you is every time you spiral. That was only me, guys. You all want to answer? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I said no. I, yeah, I said no. I was having a hard time understanding your question. Okay. Yeah. Do you think it's possible for a human to transcend compulsion? No. Like what you said, not, not human. I think your spirit, I think your spirit could, but. Your compulsions are going to be different. Yeah. What's the compulsion of God? I don't know if he has any. Well, from what we know, it's, or, you know, assuming one believes in God and everything and that he's created all of it, um, then the compulsion of God would be to create worlds. Okay, I see what you're going that's with that. That's not necessarily a negative compulsion. Yeah. It's just that's that's his desire, you know? Yeah. What do you mean by compulsion, just to be clear? Compulsion Let's. is anything that 
anything you do compulsively. So it's not like you're consciously because that that wouldn't be a okay. compulsion at that right, point. Right, right. It wouldn't be because a, it, a conscious decision to move forward and to create something or something. I guess you could call a goal or a uh, what's a good like word? A mission. For, a mission or yeah. something like that. A compulsion is anything that doesn't have to do with your goal that you do out of necessity to escape. Hmm. And I would argue that that continues on. It, it seems like it does. I just wonder at the very tip top. It doesn't seem like God has any compulsions. and well, We haven't heard of them. Right? Yeah, that, yeah <laughs> we haven't yet. We've, we've, had the, uh, we've had the light side talked about yeah. with him, and that's it. Yep. Which is fair. The light side? Like it gets fairly dark. L- right, a lot right. Of people. I mean, no, people kill people. He he killed a lot of people. Right. Well, oh God, Sodom and Gomorrah. If you think he turned a whole city to salt, yeah, so definitely killed people. That's a good that point. Lowered the value of salt. Damn. <laughs> 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 Shit was like gold back then. <laughs> if we're getting back into this, it'll be the same thing. Like I, d- I yeah. don't think the God and devil are the are different people. I think it's the same. Same thing, same entity. The same people, even. They're the same spirit being. Yeah. Mm. I didn't say that last time. No, That's I interesting. That. I don't think that, yeah, I don't think there's the devil and God. I think he's just kind of encompassing everything. But, hmm. So that he can learn every lesson. Right. To be a, a real God. So, so what, <laughs> what do you guys think the difference yeah. is between good and evil? Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, damn it shit. <laughs> we can't do this again <laughs> the intent behind it period <laughs> what were you saying um i don't remember but that's okay hold on one sec i'll figure it out that made me feel evil good <laughs> <laughs> question hashing up old shit that's evil <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I was gonna say I've already I've already said that um, I believe the that the idea of heaven and hell, God and Satan, whatever was created so that the duality of our brains could process it better, and and allow us to better judge uh, a we'll say a moral good or a moral evil um, based on the fact that life is the ultimate um, good we'll say. So I think it was created. I have a question for you. Okay. Because uh-huh. last time you were talking about, I guess it's not really a question, but it's like, <coughs> what do you think about the individual? Because okay. I remember last time you almost got into it. Like, I don't know, there's something above the individual. And my personal belief, I, I think there's nothing. Hmm. My brain is not working right now. <laughs> no, nothing's above the individual, basically. Okay. You know what I mean? This... I had a really – I was confused on that for a long time. In the Jordan Peterson biblical series, he talks about <clears throat> how – and I'll butcher it, but before Christianity, there was – okay, so according to what he was saying, humans have lived for thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of years, and they kind of lived in like these small little tribes all across the world. The Ice Age happened and pushed people together into communities. All these different tribes had different gods. And when they came together, they wanted to create one tribe. So they're like, we have all these different gods. What are we going to do? We don't want to fight. But we we know that your god is good because you're alive. Because if your god was an evil god or whatever, you guys would have killed each other off. You guys wouldn't be here. So we all come in. So what they ended up doing is they over, it sounded like thousands of years, they came up with this God. I can't remember his name, but he had, uh, he had faces all around him or eyes or whatever yeah, yeah. and the front and the sides and the back and everything. And you guys probably heard this, but that God ends up going and defeating this evil. And they, they came together, the Methostipian, what were those <laughs> Mesopotamian? people? Mesopotamian people. Yeah. I can't remember <laughs> the word, but they had that God. And that was really good, and it put humans on the right path and was starting to, like, tell the stories of, like, the good versus the evil, the good God that goes out. And, and they said that the way that the leader, like, the king of their people, every year, remember, he'd have to come down out of the city, disrobe, take off all his clothes or something like that, give all of his gold back, and then say everything that he did wrong in front of the community so that they knew he was still humble 
and then he could put his robes back on, go back if the people approved, and be the king again. And that was like the the thing that all kings did. Well, he talks about that, and then and then he talks about Christianity, and he talks about the evolution of religion and how in Christianity, what humans basically did. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but just to explain it. Please do. In, in ape communities, there's an alpha ape that mm-hmm. runs all the apes. Right. The apes don't know why he's an alpha because they can't cognitively, consciously think, oh, this he does this, and he does this, and he does this. So the, the, the beta of the pack, all the betas, they just acknowledge that he's the alpha, and, but there's rules to the game. And so if you look at one alpha of a pack of apes or whatever that – what is it? A pack or – Tribe, we'll a, say. Okay, I don't a, know. a tribe of apes. There's certain things that humans can look at and notice why he's an alpha ape. They're actually more they're, – they're giving. They're not just all tyrants. If they become too tyrannical, the apes will band together and kill them, and then they'll get a new tribe leader. But So humans can go, and they can look at the top ape, and they can – set aside the qualities that made him the top ape and then the thing that was cool that humans do is they can take like eight to ten different tribes of these apes and they can take those eight alpha apes and they can look at all eight of them across the board and see exactly how they react and act with the other apes and they can write down and they can get a very specific qualities that allow that ape to be the alpha ape and it's kind of like it is consistent across the board so, the reason I explain that is because a man, now we're humans. Now we've lived thousands of years. Humans do have the conscious and cognitive ability to see what makes him the alpha. And we've written that down and we've written that down. And we, we got together these virtues, like these principles, whatever you want to call them, of the greatest humans of generation, of generation, of generation, so many generations. And we said, okay, these are the virtues that are the highest virtues that humans know of. Right. And we're going to put them into, because how we um, learn as humans, we learn by stories. And this is just, I don't know if this is actually how happened, but this is the story right now that I'm And so we're going to put that into a story format and we're going to take all these virtues and it'll be God. And so God now is not a human He's the, he's the collective virtues that cultures altogether have decided that these are the greatest virtues. And you put him up as God. And the reason that that's important is what he says is because then everyone answers to the virtues, not to how they feel, not to what they think is best, but to the virtues that cultures have decided are, are the highest moral character. And so when you have a king... Instead of the king just deciding individually, like you're saying, what he thinks should happen, even if he's a great king, he still has to answer to the virtues. And that's what the Mesopotamia Mesopotamia people did when he would have to come down and admit everything he did wrong. It wasn't up to him. It was up to the virtues that the people had said were correct, and he had to answer to those. And that seems to be a huge difference between Christianity Christianity Christianity, and, mm-hmm. and other religions that sets it apart is it isn't the individual who gets to decide or what they feel or whatnot. There is something outside yourself that's, that's the rule book that everyone has to live by. And what we know so far is it is – Jordan Peterson says that the way you know truth is what has worked through evolution. It's actually like the greatest indicator of what is true because what is not true doesn't work and what is true works. And whatever works the longest and has worked the longest is the closest thing to the truth that we as humans can go off of. And if you look at the world right now and you look at George Washington and all those guys and what they did and what they created and given the individual the power, but they had God all in the um, – because it is a, it matters a shit ton because it's like even when I, I'm like, oh, just take God because they're forcing people to – have a belief and a religion and why, why do, if there's not LGBTQ in the schools, why do they need to have God in the schools? Why can't it just be scholar? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Why can't it just be what it's for? Well, the reason it was put into the government, put into the schools, put into the 
culture was because it fucking matters. And if you take it out, there's nothing to answer to above everything else. And there's no rules or virtues that you have to live by. And so I guess that you asked about the individual, but where I'm going with that is we know that seems to be closest thing to the truth to what humans have figured out because United States for a while when it was in its growing stage and when we were living by those principles, it was unlike anything that had ever happened ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, that's what I think. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. What do you think? 